Hello, this is Jaden Fender. We want to thank you for listening today. We would love to connect with you on social media. Now let's go into the live message. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. But if you live by its dictates, you will die. So if you listen to the sinful nature and you act accordingly, the Bible says not if, not might, not could, but you will die. Because the wages of sin is death. But it goes on to say, but if through the power of the Spirit, somebody say the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Somebody say life. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him I'm God's favorite. And it's true. Everybody that said that, it's true. You are God's favorite. Somebody say spirit-fed, spirit-led. You may be seated. Thank you so much for spending time with us on a Wednesday night. I know there's a lot of places you could be. You could be fighting traffic. You could be fist-fighting Christmas shopping. You could be watching basketball. You could be watching The Golden Bachelor, whatever you watch. But you are here tonight, and we do not take it for granted any time that you take time to come into the presence of God we appreciate it. And in there, there's no place like Wednesday nights at Living Way. Bishop said that this morning. He goes, there's something different about Wednesday nights. And so here we are. We are going to, to catch right back up where we left off last session, talking about what does a spirit-filled life, what does it actually look like, and what does it produce? You've heard me say many times, and I will say it because we've got a lot of new believers, people that have just been filled with the Holy Spirit or maybe about to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of, the, of speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues is the evidence, it's not the purpose. And so when you go to Walmart, when you go to your job, when you go to your family's house for Christmas, when you're out there on the streets of San Antonio, we need you to be able to walk in the Spirit of God, not just speak in tongues. We need you to make decisions based on the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us and what we call discernment. And so what does it look like? And we've talked about the last two sessions of Spirit-Filled Life. It helps us when we are weak. Romans chapter 8, when you start about verse 20, it talks about the strength of God and the weaknesses that it overcomes in our life. We talked last week that the Spirit-Filled Life helps us to pray the right things. And I've been encouraging you in your prayer life, church, to pray in English, to pray in Spanish. If you know any other language, you can pray in that language too. But at some time during that prayer, you ought to pray in the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I pray in the Holy Spirit more than you all, not bragging on himself, but bragging on God's Spirit flowing and working through him. Say, so why should we pray in the Holy Spirit? Because you are praying the language of God. If you pray the language of God, you're praying the will of God. You're praying for things that have not happened yet or things that you don't know about. Because a lot of times we pray about things we see, but we don't pray against the principalities that we don't see. So when you pray in the Holy Spirit, church, you are not only praying for God to bless you, God to favor you, you are literally praying for things and attacks that you don't know are happening around you, and you might see the symptoms of those attacks, but when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we are literally praying God's will, and we are declaring God's power and His will for our lives and that situation. And finally, last session, we talked that the Spirit-filled life 
helps us, and this is straight out of the Word of God, to live in harmony with God's own will. Church, one of the worst things we can do is actively work against God's will and not know it. There's a lot of times that we say things and we do things that are at literal odds with what God has already declared, but because we're not being spirit-led and because we're not walking that spirit-filled life, we don't understand that sometimes we're the biggest enemy against ourselves and against God's will. I am here to tell you there's a lot of enemies that the enemy raises up against you and I as believers, but we should never be an enemy of ourselves. And when you are filled with the Spirit of God, the Bible says in Romans 8, it allows us to live in harmony with His will. Verse 32 of chapter 8 says this, And since God did not spare even His own Son, I said last week, when you look in the mirror, don't you ever believe the devil's lie that you are not good enough? Don't ever believe the devil's lie that you're a waste of space. Don't ever believe the devil's lie that you've done too much, that God can't forgive, that God can't reach, that God can't use you. The reason I know that you are valuable to God is he did not spare any expense when he sent his son to die on a cross. He didn't send a prophet. He didn't send a man. He clothed himself in flesh, sacrificed his only son so that he could have relationship with us, but so also that we could have eternal life in him. Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. I love God because his trade was his his blemish-free son for my sin-filled life. I love God that he saw me at my worst and he still sacrificed his very best. The Bible says in verse 32, gave his son up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? When the father gave up his son... He set a precedent. Remember, a precedent is an action or earlier event that is regarded as the example or guide for us to consider in a subsequent similar circumstance. The precedent that God gave his very best for us when he gave us Jesus, that means there is nothing that God won't do for his children. And I've got good news for you as a Bible believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. You are now his son. You are now his daughter. And because he gave Jesus, he set the precedent. There is nothing I won't do for Brandon. There is nothing I won't do for Jamie. There is nothing I won't do for David. I will give them my very best. Verse 33, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen us for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing or his righteousness to stand with himself. Accusations against the chosen will not work. Accusations against the chosen will not stand. And I've got good news for you, child of God. You are chosen. God not only called you, God chose you. Verse 34, who then will condemn us? The first question was, who would accuse us? No one. Who will condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading is the word it uses here. Another translation says he is praying for us. We go all the way back to verse 1. 
33 verses before, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And I know I spent a lot of time seven weeks ago talking about that, but somebody needs to be reminded. Don't let the devil remind you of your past, but rather when he brings up your past, remind him of his past, that he is a defeated devil, and then remind him of the glorious promise and future and end and destiny that God has for believers. There is now no condemnation, verse 1 says. Condemnation was crucified on the cross with Christ. It was nailed to the cross. The only difference is, is three days later Jesus resurrected, but your sin did not, praise God. Your past did not. What is under the blood did not. I love this fact because Luke chapter 22 says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Here we see in Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27 that the Holy Spirit is praying for us. I've got good news for you, church. Not only has Living Ways prayer team been praying for you, but all day, every day, Jesus has prayed for you. His Holy Spirit has prayed for you. And I, listen, I like the prayers of living way but there's nothing like it that when you are down and out or you feel that way just to get the knowledge that with everything that's going on in the world with everything that's going on in Russia with everything that's going on in Ukraine and the Middle East and Palestine that the God of the universe you are not only on his mind he is praying for you Luke 22 says he's praying that your faith would not fail. The Spirit of God is literally praying for your faith. And the Bible says in verse 31 and 32, and when you are converted, strengthen your brother. I love that the Bible uses when, because when means it's a foregone conclusion. That when Jesus is praying for you, the foregone conclusion is your situation is going to turn around. Why does it turn around? Because we are spirit-fed and we are spirit-led. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, come on church, is now alive in us. And it's working the same miraculous power And I just, I love the fact that while I'm sleeping tonight, Jesus is praying. His Holy Spirit is making intercession. Why you and I, before we even came to Christ, Jesus was praying for us. His Holy Spirit was making intercession. I love the fact that when I was five years old, my mama was praying, my grandma Colleen was praying, but Jesus was praying, and His Holy Ghost is praying. I know that Pastor Becky's superwoman, but every, every once in a while, she has to lay down and sleep for a couple hours. And while she's sleeping, she ain't praying, but guess who is praying? Jesus is at the right hand praying, and the Holy Spirit is making intercession. If you don't praise God for that, I've got nothing left to say that will make you praise God. You ought to praise God that when everybody else walked out, Jesus was praying and the Holy Spirit was making intercession. When you were laid up in the hospital and nobody came to visit you, God was sitting at the the foot of your bed and he was praying. He was interceding for you and I. Romans 8 verse 35 goes into some of the most familiar scriptures and and passages in the New Testament. And I told you that Romans chapter 8, once we get to verse 30, it asks a lot of not rhetorical questions because Paul answers those questions. Who can accuse us? No one. Who can come against us? No one. Here's another thing that he asks. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
Remember this, the devil is a liar. He is the father of all lies. That means everything that he says, it's vomit. It's false. That's why having the spirit of God and the word of God, you will always know when God's talking and when the adversary's talking. Because if everything he says is a lie, then I know that when I'm talk, when I know the word of God, when he says something that is contrary to the word of God, I can say, no, Satan, you are defeated. Get behind me and get under my feet because this is what God's word says. So the question is asked, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Uh, uh, spoiler alert, no. Before I even read the rest of this, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing you have done, nothing you will do. His love is always available. It is always right there for us to partake in. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? This is the final question that Paul asked in Romans chapter 8. And I already told you the answer is no. That should bring peace to the anxious tonight. That nothing can separate you. Nothing. You know, depression is when you have false feelings or bad feelings about your past or present. Anxiety is when you have false feelings about your future. And there's a lot of times that we deal with anxiety, we deal with depression. But if we just knew that in the middle of that, God loves us. Because a lot of times we get depressed because of things that have happened. There is not one thing that can happen on this earth that should change the way you feel about God and his love for you. And as long as I know God loves me, that is always going to encourage me, inspire, motivate, and challenge me to get up in the middle of adversity and adverse circumstances and remind myself God still loves me and that's all I need to start again. Brings peace to the anxious. Brings great joy to those that are depressed or maybe despondent tonight. Brings great strength to the weak. Well, pastor, you don't know what they said or what they did. I don't have to know what they said or they did because I know that God loves you. And God created you. And God's got a plan for you. And God does not make mistakes. And God loves us even when we are unlovable by the world standards. His unconditional love still rests. Church, no matter how you are feeling tonight, no matter how you are feeling, whoever may be watching this live on the live stream or archived three years from now, I need everybody that is hearing this to know that no matter how you feel tonight, no matter what it looks like tonight, no matter what you're going through tonight, God loves you. God loves you just like you are. Jesus loves you just like you are. Or however, he loves you so much that he will not leave you like you are. See, some of y'all were like, oh, man, this is getting kind of inclusive. And God, oh, God loves everybody. God loved me when I was sinning. God loves the saved version of me. God loves the righteous version and the unrighteous version. He loves the pitiful me and he loves the praising me. He loved the worrying me and he loves the worshiping me. God's love for me never changes, but I've got news for you. God loves me just like I am, but he loves me so much that he will not let me stay like I am and leave me like I am. He says, oh, come to me just like you are, but realize that I love you so much. I'm not going to let you have the stench of sin on your life. I'm not going to let you have all that 
mess stay connected to you. He might love you like you are, but he will not let you stay like you are. The love of Christ church was never in question. Our love reciprocated is the question. For those of you that are married and you're sitting next to your spouse tonight, you remember what a gamble it was to be the first to say, I love you. Oh, come on, don't act like it now. Don't act like you knew. Because once you loft those three words out there, I love you, you have now put it all out there, hoping that they feel the same way. I love you. I like you a lot too. Not the same thing. I love you. Let's go grab some wings. I love you. Really, what do you love about me? They want to hear more. The love of God, church, has never been in question. If you say, does God love me? Look at the cross. It's the only proof you need. He loved you so much that while we were yet sinners and sinning, God sent his only son to die for us. Can we just lift a hand in the air and say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me with that kind of love. So his love was never in question. But he was the first to say, I love you. Now the reciprocation, now the I love you too is what matters. I know I'm preaching to the proverbial choir tonight because you're here on a Wednesday night. And that shows some love that you sacrifice another day and you fought everything you fought to get here tonight. And maybe you haven't had the best day or best week, but you are still in the presence of God. And people are here at 5.30, 6 o'clock getting ready to serve tonight. That proves that you love God. But I want to encourage you, if you have not reciprocated that love more than just words, because it's easy to say, I love you too, when it's just the words. Y'all remember what it was like dating? I'll love you forever. Forever ended up being three and a half weeks. Who knew forever was such a short amount of time? Because it was just words. I've got news, and I, I hope, I don't know if anybody's engaged in the room today, but an engagement is just words. There are people sitting here and I will not name them who have been engaged multiple times. If you've ever heard, I will name them. If you've ever heard Bishop and Pastor Becky's story, Bishop was engaged many times. I don't think he's ever told that story. I think Pastor Becky's told that story. Engaged to more than one person, not at the same time. But he did give out rings, praise God. But until you, until you stand before God and man... Until you stand there and say, for better or worse, no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, until you put some action behind the words, they are just words. But let me remind you that God's words were followed up with blood spilled at Calvary. God's words were backed up with him going to a cross when he was blameless and spotless. We know God loves us and the love of Jesus was never in question. I just need to know.
Do you love Jesus? Not with lip service, not with words, not that you know a couple worship songs and have memorized five verses. I need to know, are you willing to lay it all on the line and say, God, with my life, I will live a life that brings you glory. I will live a life, God, that is sacrificial. The commitment I make, no matter what it takes me from or who it puts me with, I love you too, not just with words, but with my whole life. The Spirit-filled life helps us to abide in the love of Christ. Verse 33, as the Scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. That's the verse that precedes one of the most quoted verses of all time in the New Testament. No, but despite all of these things, we're overwhelming victory over I'm sorry no despite all of these things overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us that's the same verse that says we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ they said all of these things are attacking us but our love for you will not let us stop can I encourage you if we really love God we are not going to let people talk us out of it we are not going to let circumstances the spirit in us will goad us on to continue to be what God has called us to be he says in verse 37 despite all of these things what are these things Despite trouble, despite calamity, despite persecution, despite hunger, despite destitution, danger, and threats of even death, he said, despite all of these things, we are overwhelmingly victorious. God's promise to those of us living that spirit-filled life is overwhelming victory. Can I encourage somebody today, not just victory, not just you're going to win, not just you're going to make it by the skin of your teeth, not you're going to crawl across the finish line. He said, though. Those that love me, those that are filled with my spirit, those that are living a life that is spirit-filled, he said you are going to be overwhelmingly victorious. That means enormous victory, massive victory, huge victory, sweeping victories, forceful victories, overpowering victories. Can I prophesy to the spirit-filled believers in the room and online tonight, you are not going to squeak into heaven. You are not going to barely make it. God has made us overwhelmingly victorious. Somebody say amen. The spirit-filled life helps us to receive overwhelming victory. In the final two verses tonight, verse 38 and 39, to close out this chapter, Paul says, I am convinced. I am convinced. The King James Version says, I am persuaded that nothing, that no thing can ever separate us from God's love. Then he began to list a very long list of things. Whatever you're facing today can be found in this list. Whatever you will face in 2024 can be found in this list. He says, I have found that not death nor life, not angels or demons, fears for today or worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That's for verse 38. Three words that I need you walking out of here tonight with is I am convinced. I am convinced that there is nothing I will ever face that can separate me from the love of God. Nothing that I'm going through will separate me from the love of God. Nothing I can do will ever separate me 
from the love of God. Verse 39, he's convinced, but he goes on. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation. He lists 10 or 12 things here. And just to make the list inexhaustible, he just says, in all of creation, there is nothing that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Those three words again, church, I am convinced. I am persuaded. There is nothing you can say to talk me out of my relationship with Jesus. There is nothing you can do that can talk me out of my relationship with Jesus. There is nothing that could happen in my health to talk me out of my relationship with Jesus. There is nothing that can happen in a political system to talk me out of my relationship with Jesus. I could wake up with no money tomorrow but I am fully persuaded and convinced about my my God and his abilities. I can get the worst report I've ever had from the doctor and nothing will shake me. There is nothing that can deter me. There is nothing that can make me sit down. There is nothing that can make me backslide. There is nothing that can make me hang my head. There is nothing that can rob me of my praise. There is no worry that can rob me of worship. There is nothing in this world that can separate me. I am convinced.